On episode 8 of Get Real with Casey Kasem, I got to talk to the DFS dude himself, TJ Hernandez. He is the director of DFS at 444 Football. Yeah, say that 10 times fast. As well as co-host of the DFS MVP podcast. We got to chat it up about all kinds of stuff, including his online poker career, jumping headfirst into DFS, advice to new podcasters, and a ton more. It was a great conversation. I think you're going to learn a ton from it. That's a lot of tons, but you're going to learn a lot. Make sure you're following TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter as well at the Casey Kasem, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at GetReal underscore pod. Make sure you're checking out my writing on both the Fantasy Footballers and Fighting Chance Fantasy. This podcast is also a proud member of the DAP Network, which you can find on Twitter at DAP underscore network. There are all kinds of awesome podcasts on that network. Also, before we jump into the new episode, I wanted to tell you a little about this charity league I've been participating in this year. It's called Pros with Joes. Pairs up everyday fantasy players with industry experts to raise money for a bunch of great charities. For some reason, they decided I should be an expert, so there's that. This season, I was paired up with my dude Michael. We've had a blast co-managing our team, even though we just got knocked out of the playoffs. We are playing for Dallas Dogger, and you can help support their mission by donating over at proswithjoes.rallyup.com trophy. Donors get entered to win dope prizes like premium subscriptions to their favorite fantasy sites, one-on-one coaching with the pro, podcast merch, and even a spot in the 2021 league. They'll be raising money through the end of the month, and every dollar goes a long way for all of the charities. Go get entered to win and help contribute to these great charities over at proswithjoes.rallyup.com slash trophy. Hello. What is up? Hey, <laughs> not much. You know, I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How have you been? Good. Are my, uh, am I sounding okay? You are. Am I sounding cool. okay to you too? Yep. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty chill and everything like that. So that's how it's going to be. <laughs> how's, your, how's your season going? Uh, it's okay in some leagues and some leagues are just absolute crap. Yeah. <laughs> are you, how about uh, you? Uh, it's, it's going. I mean, it's, it's always a grind. This is like, like after Thanksgiving is when I start feeling like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But of mm-hmm. course, Thanksgiving was crazy this week with all the scheduling and stuff but yes uh, <laughs> that's what i'm concerned about like i, I yeah <laughs> it's a mess it is totally a mess there's like maybe one or two leagues that i like have a shot <laughs> are you are you an sfb yes how are you doing in sfb um i'm okay i think i have a wild card chance possibly. i mean I, I i beat whoever i'm playing this week by a lot because i had um, Tyreek Hill on my team. Oh, and nice. so, <laughs> uh, how are you doing in there? I'm, gu- I'm guessing you're a part of SFB too. Yeah. I'm, my team's doing really well, but I just lost Will Fuller. So, oh no, that, that might have <laughs> dashed all my hopes because I was already pretty thin at, at receiver. Oh, yeah. Man, <laughs> that came out of nowhere too, but it makes sense. <laughs> as uh, to why he's actually healthy. Why he is healthy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. 2020, we could just do a redo on that and I'd be okay with it. I can't. <laughs> so, um, so I guess what we'll start off with is talking to you about, let's go back to better times. Like when you first started doing fantasy football, what got you yeah. involved in fantasy football in the first place? So, I mean, I've obviously like, like probably most people always been 
involved um, as a fantasy football player. I actually started playing fantasy baseball in, in high school um, back when we were uh, recording scores out of newspapers. That's how old I am. Like I was, I was just on the brink of like not everybody having a computer. Like even in college, it wasn't like, a th- like not everybody had a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated high school in 03. So it was like right when everything was really starting to pop. Um, but I, how I got into fantasy seriously is for a, a short time, I was attempting to play poker full time for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that, I, I met some guys that once, I don't know how, how familiar you are with, uh, the poker scene, especially back in the 2010, 2011, basically when all of the gambling laws, yeah. um, really changed when the poker stuff all got shut down in 2011 a lot of poker guys started transitioning to this thing called DFS and they introduced me to it. Uh, Particularly one of my buddies uh, from a site called deuces cracked Joe tall. Um, He was actually trying to run his own um, site as a provider. They were an extension of a, um, of a horse betting website actually. So I got really interested on there. It was a really small site and their player pool was maybe, I don't know, a hundred or 200 players. And I got hooked. I was just like buying up all of their action. I, I, I think ho- hopefully I didn't ruin Joe Tall's business, but I think I single-handedly shut down their site because I was just taking everybody's action. Nobody, <laughs> knew, what they, nobody knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is when nobody across any site knew what they were doing in DFS. Uh, and I was always bugging him to to let me do some some writing. We were involved in in um, in forums. And uh, back back in the poker days, forums were huge. Um, mm-hmm. Now everybody's using slack for whatever website i think rotor grinder still has a forum but i don't know how active it is um but back in the day forums were really big so that's kind of i was like we were putting all of our content on these forums for poker and that's kind of how i got known in the poker world so i said hey let me write for your site bugged him bugged him long story short he never really came through but one day one day he hit me up and say hey i have these guys that i heard they're looking for uh, a writer that actually sent me sent me a link and those guys were Dave Lockeran and Ryan Hodge. They were running a, a fantasy site together. Um, now Haji is, is doing a bunch of his own stuff, doing some stuff with labs. He was the four for four for a while. And I believe uh, Lafie's with uh, Osimo now, but he's been with Fantasy Insiders. That's actually where they brought me over. So those guys brought me on. Luckily, I had a sample of just like a blog that literally zero people were reading. I was just sending it to Joe to try to get it on his site. Um, so literally zero views between me edit besides me editing it and they brought me on and uh, it kind of snowballed from there. That's, that's a super awesome story because <laughs> like most people's experience with it, it is nowhere near what you, what you went through. Um, well, I'm, I was lucky to be <laughs> at the early stages of yeah. it, you know, like it's, it's one of these things where you look back and I wasn't like. I didn't have any master plan at all. When I was mm-hmm. trying to play poker, I had no business trying to play poker. Like I was, I was barely making um, enough to pay rent. And it was only because they were giving out so many bonuses at the time. But if I like hadn't went after this thing that I thought I would be good at in some roundabout way, I never would have been introduced to this other thing, you know? So it was uh, a little bit of serendipity, a lot of luck. <laughs> yeah. It, it, 
And, and you you went to college and you got a finance degree. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I went to I went to San Diego State. Um, and that's another thing. Like, mm. I mean, I went to San Diego State, got a finance degree, graduated in 07, going into the 08, like the biggest crash in our <laughs> history. So yeah. I, I graduated college and I was still waiting tables in college. And there were obviously anything that back, I mean, back then the biggest job posting site was Craigslist. Like monster wasn't even as big as Craigslist at the time. Every single job that was called finance, it was really just door to door sales. There was nothing available. <laughs> so I just kept yeah. waiting tables. And, and I mean, I started making more money playing poker than I was waiting tables. And I mean, again, it wasn't that much money, but I was like, shit, I'm, I'm 22 and I'm making a couple yep. grand. I'm making a couple grand a month playing poker. I let me just ride this out. Who cares? That's a ton of money. Yeah. I, yeah. Especially at 22. <laughs> when yeah. That's a, when you're 22. Oh yeah. yeah. No ramen tonight. Right. Um, <laughs> so you did that. You did the poker thing and you were big into that. How is transitioning over to DFS? Was that a, was that a, a long process or did you do it right away? Um, and also how are they kind of similar, kind of different from one another? Yeah. I mean, I was actually a, a little like there, there was a, I'll say there was probably a, a year lag time in there where I was really resistant to, cause I mean, at the time I want to say DFS started almost immediately. I want to say it was Taylor Kaby. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I want to say draft day popped up almost immediately after all the poker stuff went down. It, it might have had already had a little bit of legs, um, but I was a little resistant to it just because I had just, you know, less than a year before tried to do this poker thing, which was like the first big risk I had ever taken. So I was, I was, there's probably a year period where I just, I wasn't like even really thinking about it. And I luckily I had these smarter people in my life they're like just try this thing out you'll like it you're, you're good at this kind of stuff um so from the 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 content side of things i probably got started right away like i said just in that experience with joe's website mm -hmm. bugging him and just doing stuff on my own just kind of like without even really thinking about it or articulating it in my head just seeing this avenue because i guess the the biggest thing and from a poker background is that at least i had enough foresight from poker to know that content was going to be a huge part of this DFS thing. Obviously it already was with, with fantasy. Um, but I mean, shoot, even back then and in, in like, Oh wait, I think Barry had only been with ESPN for three or four years. So there wasn't this explosion of content yet, but I knew that DFS cause there's money involved. People are going to be looking for content creators. So I really focused on, on the content side of things. And, Again, not because like I had this master plan to go into what I'm doing now, but just because I had already seen it happen before with poker. Um, so I figured it would be it would be a way for me to sneak in the back door without necessarily being like one of the top DFS players. And, <laughs> and then I obviously worked on worked on my game. But um, I mean, as far as 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 data and, and analytics and studying and doing the homework, like there's a ton of overlap with with poker and. and um, and DFS, uh, I think a ton of people have talked about that. The, the lines, um, are, are probably a little bit more blurred than a lot of people would realize, but there, there's a lot of similarities for sure. Yeah. And I, re I remember that time period with the whole poker and then DFS yeah. coming like right there overlapping just about, um, were you worried about, you know, you knew what happened with 
fantasy or with poker, uh, were you worried that with DFS legislation was going to be like a uphill battle really hard for you to have to like deal with? Cause I know yeah. Texas, I mean, it took us forever. Is that where you're at in Texas? I'm in Texas. Yes. So crazy story. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. Um, I, I don't know how involved you have been on the DFS side of things, but obviously that was a huge concern because I had my livelihood ripped away from me overnight. Like the black Friday mm-hmm. poker thing. We woke up one day and all of our money was frozen. It was crazy. That um, is crazy. And most of us had, <laughs> and obviously in retrospect are really stupid, but when you're 22, 23, you're not thinking about it. Like a lot of us had a huge percentage of, of our net worth on those sites. Now, granted mm-hmm. our net worth was like, you know, in the, in the five digits, not the sevens, but you know, still, um, still a lot of money. Um, but that was definitely a reason that, I mean, just having that taste in your mouth from how quick the government could rip it away, you know, um, without any warning that, that definitely contributed to it. Uh, and then we started seeing resistance almost right away. I, I don't remember what year it was, but it was FSTA in Dallas. The day we got to Dallas, FSTA was the day that Texas said no more DFS in, in uh, Texas. And it was, it was crazy. And it was kind of like this, here we go again feeling, you know? And, and at the time I was just starting to, to get, um, I wasn't full-time yet, but I was involved enough where I was going to FSTAs and whatnot. Um, but I mean, there was this thing in the back of our head where, or at least in the back of my head where it's like, do I, do I reinvest my time into this thing? Um, that we're not sure what the future is going to be. And, and then there was the things with New York. There was a couple of other states where like there was, there was a year where it was, it was pretty tumultuous, but the saving grace was that the, the DFS sites, they were, it seemed at least they were trying to be very transparent. DraftKings and DraftKings and FanDuel were based in the U S um, that alone made me think that there, that there was a, they had a leg to stand on and, and they were trying to do things in a legit manner. Um, so, I mean, it, it was definitely a concern. Obviously we're, we're still battling it. Like there's still a lot of States mm-hmm. where you can't play uh, DFS uh, Texas. One of them, correct? No, I can play. DFS. Oh, you guys are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> or I'm doing something wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's hard to get, it's hard Texas to keep track, good. but, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a huge concern. Mm-hmm. Well, also, do you think you'd be playing DFS now? You'd be involved in it like you are if poker didn't get shut down? Um, well, who who knows where DFS would be as an industry if poker right. didn't get shut exactly. down? But I I was I had like I said, I had no business trying to play poker full time. Like Black Friday was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was paying rent at the time. It was it was still just early. Like people were getting so good. Um, that like the games were starting to get unbeatable. Luckily again, I was like, I was a, I was a break even poker player and they were just handing out bonuses back, back at this time. You could, you they had these, um, I don't remember if, if, uh, poker stars was calling it zoom or full tilt was calling it zoom, but you could just play like as many hands as possible. And as long as you didn't lose, you would still make a couple grand a month off, off bonuses. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I had no business trying to play poker full time. Well, at, well, now you write. So, um, how was the writing thing? How did that? Were you involved in writing prior to, or was that your first taste of actually getting involved with writing? I mean, yeah, it's. I still really don't consider myself a good writer. 
Um, I look at these guys like, like Denny Carter, like Matt Harmon, who I came up with and you Mm -hmm. read these people that, um, have, have went to school for this or, or at least done something tangentially related in a professional capacity and reading their stuff. It's just, it's, it's light years difference compared to something that I, I think something like I write. Um, it was just something I kind of took upon myself to try to get good at. And hopefully the more I did it, the easier it would be to, um, express my thoughts to a general audience. And, and like I said, I think a lot of it goes back to me just being in this position where I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. This is a thing I like. Let me just keep trying it and just bugging somebody with these ideas. Um, and then I had a lot of people like Denny Carter, like Josh Moore, the owner of four for four, um, like the guys at, at um, fantasy insiders back in the day, like when I was still very green that were patient enough to give me feedback. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it came from, I mean, reading Matthew Barry, um, reading Denny Carter, reading JJ Zacharies and like, how are these guys? So keep keeping me interested with a bunch of numbers. Um, so I, I really emulated a lot of guys like that. And uh, I mean, just practice really. And I've always just had in the back of my mind, make kind of keeping my audience in mind can, somebody that's never played before understand what the hell I'm trying to say. And and like the joke I always kind of make is like, make sure I'm not writing for Twitter. You know, it, a lot of right. us get in the trap of trying to uh, trying to impress somebody with our article. And, and I mean, sure you might get a, a lot of retweets and shares in our whatever 500, <clears throat> 1000 person bubble, but how many people outside of that are going to read it and really take um, value from it? So I, I like I, I still don't really consider myself a good writer. Growing up, all through school, I was always a math guy. I always numbers are my thing, and that's why things like poker and DFS have always made sense to me. Putting the words on paper. I mean, I still Wednesdays are my big day. I wake up every Wednesday. Tomorrow, I'll wake up and think, all right, I have two really long articles. Articles. Yeah. But I don't. I don't <laughs> think it takes anybody as long as it takes me. But I, I plow through it. I don't know. It takes me a really long time to write an article. I feel like when I'm writing an article and then I see like, oh, it's going to be an eight minute read for whoever. And then everybody else is like four minute read. I'm like, right. I, why? Yeah. <laughs> why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. But yeah, um, you also besides writing. So the spoken word, you're very, very awesome at that. Um, I know you have a really dope podcast that I like to listen to. Um, can you go ahead and just like Tell me how that came about. Was it something that was brought to you or was it something that you came up with on your own? Yeah. Again, going back to, I mean, going back to poker days, we, it was another thing that we were just kind of toying with Um, at the time. Podcasting, podcasting wasn't even really a big thing yet. I don't think podcasts really started taking off till 2010, 2011 is, I guess that's when like, Corolla and and Rogan like started to pop and Marin and even then like they weren't obviously anywhere where they are right now. Right. So when I was playing poker 09 2010 like we were dabbling with with some podcasts on on Deuces Cracked and I was involved in in a couple of them. Um so I was always doing it uh something for fun and even in my home leagues we were doing 
Um, I think I actually got this idea from like some of like Barry's. I don't think he called it fantasy life back in the day, but he was doing similar type things like having a home league podcast. And we were interviewing each other. I was the host and we were interviewing each other each week, like the high scores and the most important games, just screwing around. Um, So I, again, it was just one of those things that I was doing because I was bored and I had free time and I was young and I thought it was fun. And when DFS MVP came up, it was really um, me coming on full time with four for four from the suggestion of Chris Raybon and us saying, Hey, if, if you're going to come on as, as my sidekick in DFS at the time, Raybon was, was the DFS. Um, I don't remember what the title was back then. I think it was DF, just DFS editor at the time. We need to, uh, we need to do a podcast before everybody else starts, starts doing one. There was a couple of big ones, but obviously there wasn't uh they weren't as prevalent. I think we started in 2014. So it was just Raybon saying, Hey man, if you're going to be all in, let's do this thing. That's super awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah starting a podcast is kind of a nerve wracking experience for some people. Yeah. I know it was for me. Do you have any advice for people who are wanting to get involved in podcasting, but they're just not really sure which route to go and how to, how to get it together? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I again, it's, uh, uh, almost everything I've done, it's it's just been emulating other people that I've looked up to. Um, I mean, one of the most popular <clears throat> podcasters in, in the world is, is Tim Ferriss, and I've read a lot of his books. And he gives tons of very actionable tips. And, and one of the things is, like, just log he, – he uses six episodes as his primer, I think. Get six episodes out. Make sure you like the content you're doing, make sure you can put together however long 30 minutes or an hour of content um, and give yourself that chance to figure out if are you, should you be doing a solo pod? Should you be doing guests? Are you doing the right time? Can you handle the scheduling? Can you handle the editing? Do you have uh, the resources to outsource some of these things? If you log five or six episodes before you even publish one, assuming obviously that's assuming you have some type of evergreen content, um, it's going to give you a little bit of a head start compared to I'm going to start this podcast every week. I'm going to do three a week and they're going to be an hour each. And then you're two weeks in and you're like, holy shit, this is unsustainable. I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, Like before you even put it out there, because a huge part of what we're doing is as content providers is um, being accountable to our audience, whether that audience is 10 people or 10,000 people. Once you have a base and you tell them, this is what you're going to do. Now you're accountable for that. So I think giving yourself that little bit of a head start is one of the best tips that I've ever read. Um, And don't have any rules when you go into it. I mean, the whole point of this podcasting thing is there aren't any rules. We aren't, uh, we aren't subject to these big media companies telling us when we could put something out or what we can put out. Uh, And a lot of people think it doesn't matter if it's a football podcast, a life podcast, something that overlaps or anything else. Like if everybody in the industry is doing an hour podcast, why do you have to do an hour podcast? Whether, why do you have to interview people? Why can't you do it on your own? Do you have to have video? Do you want to do video? Like use that Mm -hmm. early time to figure those things out. I think a lot of people pigeon themselves, pigeonhole themselves really quickly because they have this idea and this vision. Um, but it should be really fluid in the beginning. I've had, I mean, everyone sees DFS MVP. That's, one podcast that's gained a little bit of traction. I've had four or five that haven't gained any traction and it's, it's kind of that same trial and error thing. You know, it's, 
does this work for me? Do I like this? And if the answer is no, that's okay. Maybe you need to try a different podcast. Maybe you're better doing video. Maybe you don't even like in, like the subject matter that you thought. So I, I think give yourself a little bit of a head start and you're going to figure all of those things out. That's great advice. Um, when I started, I was doing a podcast with my friend and it was just, it got to a point where it was just a little too much. Um, we didn't put out too, too many episodes. Yeah. And then this opportunity came up and I was like, well, a solo podcast that isn't time sensitive. I think that's something I could get behind. So yeah, I think, I think people get discouraged really quickly. And I mean, you're, we're at a point where we're, you're trying to dive into, to a, um, an industry or, or a content type that it feels saturated. But mm -hmm. if, if you are interested in something, someone else is going to be interested in it and your audience might not find you right away. And if you really do like it, like that six episode thing, that doesn't mean try six episodes, put them out. And then if you don't have 5,000 listeners, you should give up. Like right. a lot of podcasts go a year, two years where they're only a hundred, 200, maybe less. Um, but if you're really enjoying it, your audience is going to find you. And I think, uh, you really have to be, uh, you have to have the confidence in yourself to understand what feedback is valuable from maybe from people that have done it before. And I think a lot of times those are going to be technical ideas, technical feedback. Um, but as far as the content goes, if you're enjoying the content, I don't think anybody's advice is really going to be worth a damn. Like if you really like doing it, your audience is going to eventually find you. Right. It, it, that's exactly right. Uh, especially, you know, if you can find something and tap into something that other people aren't doing and kind of find yeah. your, your brand, your kind of, you know, niche over here. And, and with your podcast, um, you know, DFS, there, there's more now, but you guys were one of the first, you know, like in your face, this is DFS. Sure. Um, so yeah, I get the set. It kind of feels saturated, oversaturated sometimes. Um, but with the DFS stuff where you guys, when you decided that you were going to podcast and, and get together and do that, you know, you had a co-host, there's both of you there. Did you guys worry at all that you were going to do this and it wasn't really going to, I know you said you shouldn't really, you know, worry about the 5,000, but were you ever concerned that maybe it wasn't going to take off the way that it has? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you, you put it out there and anytime you're putting out content, um, especially when it's like your baby, so to speak, you, you, um, you're, you're going out on a limb and, and there's definitely that concern. But again, it was just one of those things where it was like, if we're going to grow this, this four for four brand, I mean, at the time our DFS sub was like in year two and, and we, it was, it was really, really small. Um, we're going to do all the things that we think are important. <clears throat> and it was, it wasn't that we were just doing, a podcast that we're doing DFS. We thought we had a unique idea. Even at the time, yeah. people were only doing picks. And I mean, you have to do that. If you're doing DFS, people want to hear what, what to play or, or who to play or whatever. But I mean, just our theory concept. And sometimes I kick myself in the ass for this because Wednesdays when it's time to record, I'm like, how the hell do I come up with a theory segment? Like, <laughs> no, it's really hard to think about. Um, but it's just that little difference. I, tons of people have told me like, if you know, that's, that's the difference. I love that part. And there are, I think there are a lot of listeners we don't get because of that. But, um, I, I think you, I don't think you could worry about that part of it. I, that's the part I, I really like. And the part that 
I mean, Chris helped me grow it. He's, he's not at four four anymore, but right. that we were really adamant about we're going to do this every week, no matter how hard it is. And, and luckily that unique niche did separate our, ours um, a little bit. And you, you just brought up the fact that Chris isn't there anymore. Um, so you were with Chris for a while doing the, doing co-host duties on the podcast. Mm. And now you have Holden Kushner as, yeah. uh, and how was the transition from going from one guy to another as a co-host? Uh, night and day because yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and both of them are, are awesome. I mean, Chris and I, Chris and I came up together, I guess, kind of like looking at, I mean, it's, I guess like our, our industry's really only been booming for, I don't know, six or seven years, but I, I still kind of feel like kind of like in stand up comedy, we have these kind of graduating classes or mini classes, people that came up at certain times. And, and Chris was kind of in my class where we were, I was starting kind of all over the place. He was starting at number fire and we came together um, on this like analytical tip and, you know, we're, we're going to feed off each other. We're going to try to be two smart DFS guys. Uh, and, and it worked great and it was really fun. And, and I think that's what initially got it off the ground. And then we bring in Holden after Chris, uh, Chris went over to, to fantasy labs. Uh, Holden is a straight up radio guy. He knows his DFS. Uh, but our, our interaction is very different in that he's lobbing me the questions and, and is like that crazy professional radio host, something that Chris and I can never bring to the table. Um, mm -hmm. kind of analogous to what I, I was talking about with like, with writing, I, I don't, I still don't feel like a writer, but I emulated these guys. And now I have Holden there just setting up these great, like it really feels like this professional radio interview. And, and he does such a good job of, of reeling it in or, or just setting me up. And that experience, um, is really fun. So it's, it's different and they've both been awesome, but it's, it's been, uh, it's really cool to have that actually a podcast where I've been able to experience really two different ends of the spectrum. Um, and I think that's another thing, like people just have to let themselves evolve. Obviously that was a little out of my control. Chris decided to go, you know, to labs, but, um, even just doing a little bit of a 180 in that respect, I think has been really good. And it puts a little more responsibility on me. <laughs> Always need that. Right. Gotta be an yeah. adult and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, if you were to tell somebody or give somebody some sort of advice, let's say that they want to have a co-host on their podcast and let's say they can actually choose who they want as their podcast co-host. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's looking for somebody to come on with them and kind of get the thing rolling? Um, I would say find somebody that's punctual. That should be your number <laughs> one thing. Uh, especially if you are, if you're doing something, like a sports podcast where things are very time sensitive, uh -huh. um, that, that punctuality and professionalism, I think is really number one. And, and you hear podcasts like, like me and Holden, you hear podcasts like the action guys, like Denny and JJ, and they're having fun. But right. I think that really all starts with, they have worked together before and they're all really professional. I've, I've worked with all those guys in, in some capacity and they're on time. Um, and they're hitting deadlines and they're prepared. So I, I think a lot of people, um, their initial reaction is they, they want to go into it with, with their best friend. You, you know, you think, Oh, I sit on the couch and, and have a couple of beers with this person and watch movies. Why would I not want to talk to them for an hour every week? 
if that person isn't on the same wavelength as you professionally, I think it's going to end up being um, very frustrating. So I, I would say start with the professional side first um, and then finding somebody that, that meets you uh, somewhere where you guys can relate. Um, it's, it's going to be a better experience, I think. And I mean, it's, it's like anything, like any, any job or sports team, like there are people who they might not necessarily even be your best friend, but if you guys have a really good working relationship and you guys think similarly and, and are on the same wavelength, whether is how to think about football or just how to approach the, the act, the content of the podcast. Um, that person doesn't necessarily have to be your, your closest friend, like, but you guys can still get a really good job done. And a lot of your audience, it's going to come across like you guys are best friends. I mean, I can't tell you how many FSTAs I, I went to in the early part of four for four. And people are like, Hey, where's, where's Raybon? I'm like, I don't know. Text him. I'm not Raymond. What are you talking about? Like we, you know, we don't live together. Right? We know we're not the same person, right? We don't live together. We're not together 24 seven. We actually live on different coasts. It's, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you could convey that sense of uh, a really strong relationship by having that really strong foundation. That's dope. Yeah. My co-host that I don't have, my non-existent co-host, but if I ever need somebody to fill in for me or something, that's good. <laughs> how, do you, how do you like the um, the solo non, non-co-host? non You know, I kind of am a control freak. So mm-hmm. I think me being able to just do it and like do it on my own time. Like I, I chose Tuesdays to be the day that I record, but if something comes up, and I, you know, if I want to do it on a win, if somebody says I can't do it Tuesday, I can do it Wednesday, then I'm totally cool with that. And I don't have yeah. to rely on somebody else, an, a co-host that yeah. it's like, it doesn't work with my schedule. So, um, that's one, one thing that I think I like about being solo. Yeah, no, that, I mean, and that's another thing, like you were talking about, what would you tell people starting out? I mean, the, the, I mean, I know you're solo, but you have guests, the idea mm-hmm. of, are you going to have guests or not? I mean, yeah. I know there aren't the difference between a solo pod, having a co-host and having a podcast with a guest are two or three really different things. There aren't a lot of people that can rant alone for 30 minutes or an hour. Right. Um, I would actually love to do a solo pod. I've just been too lazy to put it together um, <laughs> compared to whether well, you're completely on your own there, but you have to be able to talk for an hour. Are you going to have a co-host where you guys are coming up with content together and you could really schedule a time, which I love or, Mm-hmm. have guests like if you notice dfs mvp we don't have guests we have them in the off season leading mm-hmm. up to the season when things are loose but in season like i i know i come like tend to come off as this nice guy but if in <laughs> season i have to schedule scheduling guests is my nightmare yeah so that like are you okay with that some people can handle that well some people that's not going to fluster them if i have a guest and they tell me they're going to be 20 minutes late like i'm i'm furious and my days ruined so are you the type of person that can handle those types of fluctuations because if you have guests that stuff is going to happen so thinking about all those things are really important and Speaking of doing solo podcast or even interview podcast, you uh, years back you had a had a podcast at season's end that yeah. you were doing, yeah. Um, which I I will admit that I didn't listen to it until I think today. I only did about five episodes. Yeah, I, I, I know you can still find it today. Yeah, so I I went on Stitcher. I think they have two episodes no available there. So yeah, I listened. Um, and you know, 
it was really cool to listen to you and interviewing people. I love to listen to other podcasts where people interview just so I can kind of get ideas on like cadence and, you know, how to, how to transition from one point to another. When you were doing that, I know you only did it for a little bit, but when you were doing that, how comfortable were you doing that? And then also how did you find the people to come on the show that you had on your show? Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't comfortable doing it. I felt like I, I, I was not doing a, I didn't feel like I was a strong interviewer or something that I wanted to, I was curious about. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, I really only had on people that I had already known very well um, in the community. So luckily those early ones were more conversational and, and I found them because they were pretty much people that I had came up with in fantasy. Uh, mm -hmm. Really the, the biggest reason that I didn't do it is I, I like I talked about up, up top, trying to log a few episodes. I was just running into so many damn technical difficulties that at the time it was just, I, it was an idea and I it was something I wanted to put on my plate. And at the time it was just too much. I was kind of still just kind of getting rolling as a full-time um fantasy um analyst and i wanted it to be another way that i could promote what i was doing and it just didn't work out like i just i i wasn't super comfortable doing it and i didn't like it but i it was just one of those projects that i wanted to try um it's probably something that i think i would explore again again like scheduling guests isn't something that excites me per se but um i think some kind of mix of like a solo pod and having guests on occasionally is, is something that i would love to do and it's just because i like matt it, it was matt Harmon was doing something kind of similar oh, back yeah, in the day, backyard but banter, backyard banter yeah. but his was really focused around um how people got into fantasy kind of like what you're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. right now and i wanted to do something with fantasy people that i, I just like all of us aren't just fantasy people. And I think it, it probably stemmed a lot just from me even early on. Like I, I get, I don't want frustrated is definitely not the, the right word, but in everyday life, when people find out what you do, it's all they want to talk about. And it's right. Like, you know, there's, there's more than that. <laughs> so that was kind of like the impetus of it. Like, let me try to figure out what these other people in fantasy are doing outside of fantasy. So, um, that stuff is, is fun. People are fun, you know? So yeah, just that was kind of the idea behind it. It was a really dope idea. I really liked it. And I, I really liked what I listened to today. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. I can't cool believe they're I, still out there. I, I'm, a, I'm know, embarrassed. I wouldn't no, even want to listen. Don't be embarrassed. It was good. Um, yeah. So that was really great. And you, you know, you interviewed people and got kind of a, like you said, you got to know them outside of football. What, what do you think about this crowd that says the, the stick to football crowd? How, how do you do with those people? I assume that anybody that is slandering on Twitter, I just picture I'm talking to an 11 year old in their bedroom. And then I don't <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's yeah. what I think. Every time somebody's negative, I'm like, oh, that's just, yeah. a, that's just a child. Um, and if you think about it that way, it's, I mean, I, I, I if I'm talking about something besides football on my timeline, I'm probably not being serious. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't agree with stick to football. Like people have a voice or, you know, they, things are important to some people that aren't important to others. 
I don't think that my opinions are necessarily worth hearing. So I tend not to put them out there outside of football. I'll say some funny stuff. I'll talk about comedy and anything. If you see something that isn't directly related to football and you can't tell if it's sarcastic or trying to be humorous, it's probably sarcastic or trying to be humorous. Yeah, just assume. <laughs> but, yeah. But I mean, I, I have no problem with like, like the stick to football people. I mean, I, I just, I, I just assume that those people have uh, that's, that's always a reflection of, the person that is sending that more than anything right on yeah i mean <laughs> stuck to football all the time like you you don't do dynasty right no i i uh <laughs> i dfs is like as far away from dynasty on the spectrum yeah. as you could possibly get like my i i love football the day the super bowl's over i want to step away from football for like two months yeah like, i just <laughs> i i I, I definitely I th I would not say that I am on the level of like an Evan Silva when it comes to loving football. And I love it a lot, but I mean, uh -huh. I, I, I'm just not the type of person that is going to live and breathe something every second of my life. And th that's going to be a hindrance. Like I think, you know, maybe you can get to the to the top 90th percentile in your field. Maybe you're not going to be the 99.9th uh, percentile, but I think there's a lot more to life than football. So I like to, you know, breathe a little bit when I can. So the dynasty crowd isn't over there poking you like, come on, <laughs> like they did with me until I finally just buckled and, and I, I, gave they in. Have, they don't have a chance of getting <sighs> me on that side. I'm weak. I'm weak. Um, so, so since DFS is your baby, the thing that you focus on the most um, over at 444, which we've been talking a lot about, that's where you are. Yeah. Um, you're the director of DFS over there. Director. What exactly to a person who's just looking at it like me and everybody else that it's kind of like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> um, that means I make sure that everything that we provide uh, for somebody that's trying to be good at DFS is available and of high quality. Uh, so we, have like any almost any website that offers dfs content um obviously we, we offer written content um tools uh lineup generators all of the projections and whatnot and i'm in charge of making sure uh that stuff is is presentable and people are going to to be good at dfs so luis uh who is our, our digital director him and i build the, the content plan together. And then Josh, the owner with our development team, they build the tools and I'm just in charge of looking at it and saying, is this what a DFS user is going to want? And then um, Luis and I team up, look for really good high quality writers. And luckily there have been a lot of them and I, I edit their stuff. I definitely don't, don't want to say I manage them because they are, are very self-sufficient um, mm -hmm. and just do, a really awesome job and I just have to make sure they don't have spelling errors pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Get your grammarly out yeah. and you'll be all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, do you think that Twitter is a tool for, uh, for fantasy football in general? That's really like helped the, the game blow up. For sure. Um, I mean, especially when like early in the 2012, 2013 days, if, the community was so small that mm -hmm. uh, we were anything you shared got picked up by uh, a lot of really big names. And <clears throat> if it wasn't for, I, I would say if it wasn't for Twitter, I, I probably wouldn't have a job, but it's still a, I mean, for all the negativity it gets, 
it's still a, an amazing community. And we've seen people that don't necessarily have to get involved, make a very concerted effort to, to get involved, to share, starting all the way at the top. Matthew mm-hmm. Berry, Evan Silva, um, JJ, um, Brad Evans, um, Andy Barons, all of these guys that are at the top of uh, Heath Cummings, all these guys that are at the top of very prominent websites that were very early in the game have uh, been more than gracious. And I mean, sharing my stuff, sharing other people's stuff, you still see all of the biggest names in the community sharing new writers, um, you know, new thinkers. And you can't deny that people have done an amazing job of that. And especially in DFS, I mean, you could definitely look at the, what you might call tout wars and, and it might look kind of uh, feisty sometimes. But <laughs> everyone, I mean, for as competitive as our community is, the support is, is really overwhelming. And you go to something like DFS and these guys who we've all looked up to forever um, they're all going to sit down and have a beer with you and, and talk to you and give you advice and give you their time and aren't in a hurry to get anywhere else. They are really invested in the community and it really shows it's on Twitter and, and outside of Twitter. Yeah. It's super awesome. The people that the bigger name guys, like even, you know, a guy that has 10,000 followers or whatever, or a, a girl that has 10,000 followers, whatever. And they reach out to me or they retweet my stuff. Or you see like, you know, like the Matthew Berries and the, yeah. and the, you know Andy's and everything else. Like when True, they reach homies, out to you, your homies, yeah. the football, the footballers do it great. Yeah, they do, and it's so awesome because I was interacting with them before I even you know started writing over there, yeah. and it's just so cool that that these guys they're just like I'm have you here. We're just you, you know, you guys are just human. So like the newbies like us who are like just trying to come up in the game, it's so cool to have you guys like retweet our stuff or like reach out to us or whatever. Say, yes, I'll come on your podcast. Cause I mean, seriously. Well, let me, let me give you, (laughs) let me tell you this, uh, asking someone to come on and do something that isn't a uh, straight up football podcast is a huge plus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody said that. Like I will ask people if they would come on and they're like, well, do you have a show sheet or anything? I'm like, dude, we're just talking. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Awesome. I'll come on and do that. And it works well for me too, because I don't have to sit here and be like, Oh, you know, I can just ask you what I want to know. And it's for my own personal gain, but other people like it too. So whatever. (laughs) Um, so when it comes, uh, to being with 444, you said that you guys, you know, have those writers that you guys have yeah. over there that are super on point. You know, you make sure that you have quality product going out. Um, do you think that people are, do people still read basically is what I'm saying? Like, you know, cause like, I know that prior to writing I read, but I didn't, I only read what mattered to me and I would skim stuff. Right. Cause I'm yeah. lame like that. So do you think that there's going to be a point in time where it all goes over to like podcasting and, and video and stuff, or do you think it's, writing is still going to have a place? Um, it's, I think it'll always have a place because uh, people still want to click on a page and mm-hmm. see, especially when it's something like DFS, even if they're just looking for a list, which a lot of people are, they're, they're still, still want to see it. Um, it's, it's still easier to click on a page, even if you're just skimming, scroll, look what the ideas are, then sit on a podcast, listen to what they're talking about, maybe have to take notes or remember what mm-hmm. those picks are. So I, I think that um, writing is always going to have a place. Now, to answer your question, are people reading? <laughs> 
the, uh, let's nope. just say that our I, I look at a lot of data and uh, time on page has gradually gone down over the last 10 yeah. years. Uh, um, you know, so I mean, when, when it comes to someone like myself or someone like you or any, when you, anyone else doing this, mm-hmm. we put in a lot of work. Uh, right. You know, sometimes I'm laying down three, 4,000 words, whether it be in season or off season and, and right. wondering if people are reading that can be discouraging, but then you do have, you have these hardcore people that they tweet you about uh, this random ass stat that you put really deep in an article, (laughs) ask you these questions. Um, So, I mean, I think even if, even if 3% of users Mm -hmm. are only really diving in and reading these things, there's, there's going to be value there. You know, I mean, we're, we're in a position at least right now where we can provide all of these dip, different types of content, whether it's podcasts, whether it's YouTube, whether it's an article um, and people are absorbing it different ways. So I think as long as you can reach all these different audience types, you know, why, why not keep doing it? And then at the very least there's, there's SEO uh, implications to it, but I mean, it's, I, I try not to think that I'm writing just for SEO, but no, I mean, people read the percentage of people, it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I have a hard time, you know, there, there's a handful of stuff I read, but mm-hmm. I have a hard time sitting down and staring at a screen for 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, people, I guess people like my wife, she plays fantasy football, but she's like the casual, you know, and she doesn't listen to podcasts or watch videos or anything. So having an article, you know, she'll be like, Hey, Matthew Barry told me this. And yeah. you know, I'm like, when did he tell you that? Oh, in this article. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah, that kind of stuff. And, and there is a whole world outside of Twitter that isn't, as obsessed with fantasy football as we are, you know? And so, yeah, you do have to find a fine line of giving the stats and giving that stuff, but also figuring out how to talk to people who are like, like you were saying earlier, you can't just stat, stat, stat. You got to be able to appeal to everybody. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and also some people aren't even getting paid to write. So they're putting out this Mm -hmm. content. They're not getting paid. They're spending hours upon hours writing articles for you to read. So the least you could do is at least, you know, say like, I'll retweet that. High five. Good job. You know? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, Going back to 444 again, 444 is so fun to say. I also noticed that you, that the account follows 444 people. So I didn't realize that until today when I was very, very on brand, <laughs> very on brand. Um, it actually took, it actually took me a really long time to get a follow from them. Even after I started working there. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You had to wait till one of the bots dropped off. Yes, and then, I did. There you go. <laughs> um, gosh, there's just so much that I like, I've got notes that I've written to talk to you about, but I'm like going off into some different tangent and I don't really I like, care right I like, ta- I like tangent. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you since COVID is a thing right now. If you're listening to this in the future, hi, um, COVID was a thing and we had to deal with that and <laughs> the schedule is all kind of crazy and everything. Yeah. Do you Look think it that up. Google, it. <laughs> Google it? Yeah. Use the Google machine. Um, COVID. Do you think that COVID has brought more people to playing daily fantasy because their rosters are all screwed up or do you think it's, that it's the same it's i i only have a couple metrics to go off of and it's users at 444 and and what the sites look like as far as FanDuel and DraftKings users mm-hmm. um the numbers have looked pretty normal throughout the season one thing that i have noticed is like and i, I don't know if this is unique to just a couple sites, um, it seems like there's been a really big mid-season spike. 
and again, I don't know if that is directly related to COVID. I definitely think that users that might not have otherwise played have been playing, um, whether it's because of free time or, like you said, because of, of concerns about how the fantasy leagues are going or actually what's going on. I It seems like there have been there's been a small influx of users. Um, I mean, I haven't noticed anything like on FanDuel or DraftKings with, with sites spiking in terms of what they're offering in games. If I remember correctly, it's their, their games have stayed a little bit larger in terms of prize pools and users. Whereas the last couple of years, this time of year, those things usually start to shrink pretty rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't think I have a great answer, but it does seem like people are a little bit more engaged right now, maybe because they just have nothing else to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what got me thinking about it today is because yeah. I was like, maybe I'll set a lineup. And I was like, man, I've been setting up a lot more lineups lately than, yeah. I, than I'm used to. And I, I mean, I'm losing money like crazy. So maybe that's not a good thing between the alcohol, the Uber Eats and playing oh, know, DFS. But those, those first couple months of, of, of quarantine got a little out of hand. Yeah, a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit. I'm like, I'm going to save so much money because I'm not going out anymore. <laughs> little did I know. Oh, um, <laughs> with the COVID stuff too, how has that affected not just writing, but like, you know, your analysis in general and, and podcasting and all that stuff. How has COVID really, has it been like a super big burden or has it really been kind of fun to have something else to kind of go to? It's so it's actually been a really interesting like experience and thought experiment because both in, in real life and in, um, in professional life, I've been in this fortunate position where like I haven't been as heavily impacted by um, it as some other people have. And it like really makes you step back and rethink your, how empathetic you're being for people and like how much you're being aware of, of the other struggles people are going through. And that might uh-huh. sound like a little bit extreme when we're talking about fantasy sports, but I've been lucky to be in this position where I have this full-time job where I, I sit in my apartment and I don't haven't lost a job and you know, I've, I work from my living room. So I don't have these concerns about, about being around other people. Uh-huh. And then at the same time, like DFS is, it's like set up for something like this because I I'm restarting my season every single week. You know, it, it's just, what's the information who's playing, what are their salaries and I'm ready to go, you know? So whether a Steelers game is, is getting pushed back to, you know, Thanksgiving or Wednesday. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a little annoying logistically because I have to do some other things on the sites, but from an analysis and a DFS standpoint, it's still just who's playing and how am I going to analyze that? And I've really had to be conscious of thinking about my coworkers that are on the redraft side of things where it's like, it's wreaking havoc. It's a nightmare for them. (laughs) And I don't have to deal with that, you know? So, um, interestingly on the dfs side it really hasn't doesn't cause that many problems and i like kind of looping back to like your thoughts on like me joining dynasty it's my it's luckily how my brain works like i just i like these hard ends to things and yeah restarting and and dfs really sets up to where i mean COVID really hasn't obviously it's affected the players that are available and whatnot but the the day-to-day and the the logistics of dfs haven't changed a bit 
that's cool. That's that. I think that I'm starting to like lean towards more of playing that, yeah. even though I'm not good at it. But listen to your podcast, <laughs> read your articles, yeah. and I'll get good. Yeah. Um, but you know, the dynasty stuff and the and the redraft stuff, it's like you don't have that instant gratification because you have to wait all season. Okay. And with DFS, it's like right away. Yeah. I think that appeals to people a lot too. Yeah. Um, so it, do you think, what are some other reasons that DFS would appeal to people you think over the other forms of, of fantasy football? Uh, I, I think that is the main one. Um, it's, it's a very different, it, it exercises a really different muscle. Um, you are really analyzing in an, not just your player pool, but you're analyzing the entire player pool. And it really makes you start to think on a different level. And even if you're only playing five or 10 bucks a week, if you're taking it semi-seriously and and reading a couple articles, the Mm -hmm. DFS research can really benefit what you're doing in redraft. Like if I, me being so entrenched in DFS, when it comes time for waivers or start sits, it's a no brainer. There's no agonizing over those things because I've been doing it with 50 players instead of two. Um, So I think that's a really big benefit and there's, there's upside. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, I don't want to go back to like, you know, the DraftKings lottery style uh, advertising, (laughs) but I mean, not even turning 20 bucks into a million bucks. Like you can turn five bucks into 500 bucks relatively easily. Uh, Mm -hmm. Are you going to do that every week? No, No. but you can set yourself up DFS. You can do the work. It's a lot of work. Um, But where you are, if you're a decent player, you're really never losing that much. I mean, there's really bad weeks, but you can have these really big spikes. Like you can win a, what you would win in all of your fantasy leagues if you have a great year in one week. And I think that is really appealing to people. Now I'm always cautious about selling DFS that way because it's really hard to do. And and I don't think, um, I think you're doing people a disservice by saying you have all this upside, but I mean, the, the reality of it is the people that I talk to in my call it my normal life that aren't on Twitter 24 seven, like us or on these websites. Uh, I mean, they're mostly playing like small to large size tournaments. They're not really grinding cash games. Like we talk about a lot. So obviously the intrigue for the casual player is these tournament style games. And it's really hard to find tournament style games in redraft. Like obviously we have FFPC and different types of championships. Um, even the average user doesn't dabble in those or, or doesn't play those much or, or aren't even really familiar with a tournament style. So I think people that are intrigued by things like a, a March madness bracket might really find um, a nice little uh, new outlet with something like DFS. That's awesome. It is. And it's cool to be able, if you've never played before to be able to go in and, and do something different, kind of work your brain a different way. I know you have to turn it on and turn it off when it comes to like dynasty and redraft and DFS, DFS and, and um, redraft are kind of cousins to one another and dynasty is its own. And let's not even start talking about (laughs) Debbie and all that. No, but, but I mean, like to your point, um, you, you get to dabble in some different type of things. If you're somebody that plays one league a year, which a lot, like a huge percentage of fantasy people Mm do, if your first round pick is hurt, now you're just like, that sucks. You know, that happened to a lot of people this year, but maybe you have two or three big injuries and you just feel like you, now you don't have anything to do all season. Like DFS, 
sure if you're going in there and throwing in five bucks and not doing a ton of research like yet you're probably negative ev you're gonna get matched up in some games with some really good players but a lot of people that five or ten bucks it's that's entertainment money so they get to sweat they get to sweat a lineup i mean i have friends every week that are texting me for advice and you know they're playing you know almost literally pennies but to them it's the most fun part of their week so i mean there's a lot of entertainment value you can't deny that that's what i like about it is the entertainment value it's like it's like fun i i i'm not i will throw five in and if i lose it it's not the end of the world but i can play on that five for a while right yeah exactly it's like playing penny slots when you're at the (laughs) you know it's just like Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but you're not losing a whole bunch. And it's really just fun to just set a lineup, you know, and, and try something different sometimes, you know, especially with the the smaller amounts of money and stuff or a guy you don't have on your team that you would never draft, but then you're like, well, maybe I should put him in my lineup here. So yeah, I mean, shoot, even if, yeah, even if you're a casual fan, like how many casual fans are super invested in Braxton Berrios or even know who the hell he is. And we're like, Oh my God, Braxton Berrios. (laughs) That's just saying like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's fun. It's fun to get that involved. And you start learning about other players that you wouldn't normally research and stuff. So like yeah. you said, 50 guys that you're looking at, you know, um, when I was going to say on Sunday, what is a typical day of watching football like with TJ Hernandez? But now it's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. you know, Saturday even. But how's a normal, how are you when football's on? Um, so Sundays I'm on the West coast. So uh-huh. the only bad thing about being on the West coast is that <laughs> Sundays I have to be up very early. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I try to be up by 6am on Sundays just because we are like, I, I still am working. Um, we uh-huh. are still, you know, doing content and giving advice and, and we have a, um, we have a discord with four for four for the first time this year. So I'm doing all that while trying to to set lineups. Like Sunday morning is is setting lineups. Saturday I build, but obviously nothing is really official till Sunday morning. So usually from like six, seven to like eight or nine, I'm I'm doing four for four stuff. And then nine to ten is like finalizing lineups. Um as soon as kickoff happens, there's still some stuff to do between in California, the 10 a.m. games and the and the one a and the one p.m. games. Um, there's some stuff to do with my lineups or whatnot, and and the website depending on injury news. But for the most part, when 10 a.m. kickoff happens, that's like my that's my day off. That's the only time <laughs> I have to do nothing. So I'm, you know, probably like like most people in our position. I'm I'm NFL Sunday ticket. I uh, I. I live alone and I really enjoy watching football alone, especially because sometimes I'm sweating DFS pretty hard. So I, I, I try to just enjoy the the games and not sweat my lineups until later in the day. And then um, before COVID again, Sunday nights, like my only night off, I, I last year, or any other regular year, like Sunday nights, my go out to a bar night during yeah. the season. It's <laughs> the only night of the season I have, I have to do it. Um, obviously this year it's a little different but i i typically chill at home and watch games alone just because uh i don't like talking to people while the game's going on 
That's great. <laughs> I wish it could be that way for me. I think my wife probably wishes it could be that way too. She's in there and she's falling asleep and I'm over here. Ah! I oh. like talking. I, I, I'm sure we would have a good time watching a yeah. game, game together. I like talking to sharp people during the game, talking to the, <laughs> the civilian, if you will, during a game can be a little torturous. Just Not that I don't want to hang out with you guys. I would love for you to buy me a beer on a Sunday, but you know, you know. it's usually let's wait till Sunday night. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about too, is, <laughs> is having a, having a social life or having a life outside of just fantasy football. Now it's kind of different from, for you than it has been for a couple of the people that I've talked to on here because they're not only doing it part-time or here and there, and you're yeah. doing it as your full-time job. Yes. So, you know, like I know how stressed I am with my job and <laughs> this, that, and the other and finding time is, is a little difficult here and there, but how do you make sure that you're doing a nice balance of work and also like mental health stuff and keeping yourself yeah. sane and all that jazz? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, there's, there's a few other things there. Um, so we've talked a ton about poker. I actually more invested uh, in the last decade of my life before I started doing this, really, I come from a big bartender background. I, I, I mentioned that I was waiting tables in, um, in college and, and I got really involved in, in bartending and the, the period between trying to do poker and actually doing uh, this full time, which actually didn't even happen until shoot. I don't think I was officially full time until 2017. So like a seven ish year window there where mm -hmm. I was really into the bartending thing, managing bars, um, investing in bars. So I actually still have a toe in that world. So uh -huh. social, social life wise, um, I'm still very much involved in that bar world from a uh, professional standpoint. Like my, my goal is to, um, one of my goals is to eventually have bars when that time is right. My, my own bars. So I'm, I'm still very much involved in that world. Obviously a lot of it is sitting at bars and drinking, but, um, I do have a lot. I do know a lot of people in that world in San Diego. So that is my like sanity in terms of, uh, a social life, even <clears throat> obviously, like I said, this year has been different, but Sunday night football, Monday night football, I, I, I'm usually out at a bar watching those games with non-football friends. Um, <laughs> as far as just like a, a life balance, I mean, I try to make it a point, like again, on the West coast, I'm, it's, it's a little bit of, of a hindrance sometimes because by the time I wake up, you know, people that I work with on the East coast, some stuff is time sensitive waking up to a million messages. Um, I try to really make it a point to give myself 90 minutes, two hours at the beginning of the day to not do anything screen or work related. Um, if I'm trying to, you know, I, I try to start working by 9am. <clears throat> I set my alarm for seven, seven thirty, just to unwind, have a meditation practice, do some non-football reading, uh, sit on my patio and have a coffee and not talk to anybody. I really make it a point to not check my phone th first thing in the morning. Um, you know, not be on a screen for the first 90 minutes of my day. And, and those little things go a, a really, really long way. Um, just those couple hours a day, always try to have my work done by the time I eat dinner so that for those last couple hours, I can just be off the computer, off of my phone, um, off of Twitter a lot. Like I, I don't, I don't assume that anybody's like hardcore paying attention to my Twitter, but outside of like Tuesdays and Wednesdays when I'm really banging content and Sundays when I'm watching the games, I'm, I'm not on Twitter a lot. Um, I try not to be at least. And 
I think separating yourself from this, I mean, we're so, especially during the season, like it's so overwhelming and so involved. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't really have an hour on our week. You know, it's, it's pretty much nonstop. I don't, I don't know what your schedule's like, but I feel like I'm kind of always on the clock and that's not a bad thing. I love this, but you just always have to be around. You always have to be conscious of what's going on, ready to edit an article or update something. Um, so giving myself those, you know, little breaks, or, that really is my sanity. Like I, being in silence for a couple hours before the day starts goes a long way. And then even like during someone who was it, I think it might've been Alan Lamb from uh, uh, fantasy lab. Somebody actually just put a post out that was really good about taking like a, a, obviously if you're playing redraft really heavy in a redraft, you can't do this, but DFS players like taking a slate off. Like you don't, there's no rule that says you have to play every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, or like not hardcore sweating every game, you know, like sometimes I'll, sometimes I will purposely schedule something on a Sunday and, you know, miss some of the games, like give yourself a mental break. Like this, it's a long season. We're super involved. So all of those little things really add up to sanity for sure. That, yep. Great advice (laughs) for real though. Like just chill out a little bit, you know? Yeah. Stay off your phone. That's a, that's a problem that I have is that I, I'm constantly on my phone. I'm constantly getting yelled at and stuff and because think, of it, you know? Yeah. I, and I think um, like in the off season and I, I mean, it's, it's like anything really, if you're, if you're trying to train yourself to be better at something, I think the off season is, is a really good time to, to practice all of those things so that when we, you are in like the stressors of this football season that you can implement those things. Cause if you, if you try to do it once, you know, the season starts, I don't think you're going to be very successful. So I like really make it a point in the off season to take a lot of time away from football, at least as much as possible. And like, you know, get like meditation practices set up or like find things that I like reading that aren't football related or watching or whatever your unwind is or, or walking or running, whatever the hell it is, just something different that could break up your day. Yes, indeed. Well, my day is about to come to an end here because it's after nine. I know you're, <laughs> it's not there. You guys are lucky, lucky guys with your light. Um, so what I'm going to do is just go ahead and have you tell everybody that's been listening to this where they can find you, plug all your stuff, you know, all that jazz. Yeah, um, everything fantasy related is at 4for4.com. Um, all of my content, all of my podcasts, the podcast is the DFS MVP. You could search that wherever you find podcasts. Uh, one of the cool things we're doing at 4for4 this year is our Discord channel. Um, I'm on there a fair amount, but especially like Saturdays, we do an AMA where I basically answer any question you have about anything. It's usually DFS related, obviously, but uh, we chat there. And then I'm there like all through Sunday morning, just talking about DFS. So that's been really fun this year. And then uh, other than that, for any other sarcastic or trying to be funny stuff, you could find me at TJ Hernandez on Twitter. Well, if you're not following him, you need to go check all his stuff out. He's super dope, super awesome time chatting with you, TJ. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you, Casey. No problem. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Later.